Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. It's such a blessing, such an honor to be in the presence of God with you guys. Oh, I just, I'm so thankful for what he's doing here among us. Just what he's already done. Like, we don't even have to do anything else because he's already, he's already spoken so much, done so much, moved. You know, but I, I just, I think he is desiring for us as his body, as his people, to go deeper into the spiritual realm, to get off the surface of the carnal, of the natural that we so often get trapped in and stuck in. And, you know, a lot of times in this church, we talk about being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and it's a, it's a subject that we keep coming back to, but it's because the Lord is wanting us to, it's because he has more to say on it. Um, I don't know, is my mic sounding a little funny? No? I don't know if it's me. Okay. Um, so I, I just want to go over some of this stuff tonight. I want to just take a few minutes and, and do some teaching now, um, because a lot of times we think about things like being led by the Spirit, uh, walking in the Spirit, as almost a doctrine, something that we have knowledge of, and we kind of pull it out of our spiritual bag when something arises like a big decision or a problem. We're like, ooh, where's that thing of being led by the Spirit? I need to know some things, you know, and it's, it's such a mental um, or an intellectual understanding and, you know, really walking in the spirit. It is a day to day. It's in the little things, you know, and that's really, I titled the message, our daily walk in the spirit, because it's something that should infuse everything, every part of us. It is a constant lifestyle of being so immersed Having a, uh, having a constant realization of his presence in us that we are walking it out. We are talking it out. Every conversation we have, everything we do, everything we're thinking on, you know, is, is under the influence of the Spirit of God. Um, but the thing is, is we do have what we call the flesh. And I want to get a little bit better understanding of the flesh, uh, because it's something when we are born into this world, that's where we're naturally positioned, is to walk in the flesh. It is what comes natural to us as human beings. You know, it is what happened in the garden, what Satan stole from humanity, and Jesus has come and restored the ability to walk in the spirit. He has restored the ability for us to have full communion with our God constantly. But our, our uh, bodies and our souls did not get reborn. So as our spirits got reborn, there's still a part of us that has a tendency to be flesh, fleshly, carnal. Okay? So I want to go through a few verses. We're going to start here in Romans chapter 8. If y'all want to turn with me. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. Starting in verse 4. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. This is going to be our information about the flesh. 
Okay, so verse 4 says, So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction, because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. We're going to go back up to verse 5 and just kind of examine a few things that we're finding out here. So verse 5 says, those who are motivated by are those who live according to the flesh, only pursue what benefits themselves. Um, So that word according to or motivated by, if we go into the Greek, there's, there's a meaning that means throughout, uh, by, among, daily, day by day, in the manner of or habit of. Okay, so I, I love that when we say live according to the flesh, it's talking about the little daily things. When we live those little daily parts of our lives according to the flesh, then we are pursuing only what benefits ourselves. And flesh, this really helped me when I went and looked at what flesh actually means. It's the Greek word sarks, and it refers to making decisions or actions according to oneself. It's done apart from faith. It's independent of God's in-working. Thus, what is of the flesh or carnal is by definition displeasing to the Lord, even things that seem respectable. In short, flesh generally relates to unaided human effort. It's what we can do of ourselves in our own strength. Decisions and actions that originate from self or are empowered by self, this is carnal of the flesh and proceeds out of the untouched or unchanged parts of us. So it's a whole lot more. You know, I guess I just, for such a long time, I had an understanding that flesh literally meant like our physical body. And when I saw that word, in the Bible, I just thought it was referring to like our skin, our bones, our, you know, our muscles, the parts of our physical body. And I didn't understand that it was just a, is a carnality, anything that hasn't been changed by God. So really our spirit man is the only thing that has been fully transformed. So our soul and our, and our body, our physical body, both have the ability to operate carnally or fleshly. But that's really what it's talking about when we hear flesh, just so we're not getting stuck on the fact that it's our physical body. Um, But that's why our bodies and our souls can team up to rule us when they're not submitted to God. That's the definition of flesh, is they are trying to rule us. Um, You know, there's a pull in in the flesh for control. The carnal realm wants to control us. It wants to exert control upon our lives And not allow the spirit to control us. Not allow us to be yielded and controlled by the spirit. So we see in verse 6 it says the the mindset of the flesh um, or the purpose of the flesh produces death. 
It's serious. It's a trap of the enemy to get us in that carnal mindset so often in such a habit of carnality that we don't even, like the, uh, the spiritual is not even familiar to us anymore. It's not even comfortable to us because we are so comfortable in carnality. And then on the opposite side, it says that when we're yielding to the spirit, some of the fruit of that, some of the things that flow out of yielding to the spirit are life, it's zoe, zoe life. That's God's lifestyle or culture. That's zoe life, it's his way of doing things. When we are walking in the spirit, we're walking in zoe. When we're walking in the spirit, we're walking in peace, which is another word for wholeness. We're walking in a way that is bringing us together, building us up, whereas when we walk in the flesh, everything just gets broken down. You know, pieces of us just get destroyed and shattered. Um, it's a broken place, not a, not a built up and whole place. So the sad thing about walking in the flesh is that so often the enemy does not even have to tempt us or try to get us into the flesh because we do it ourselves. So we just do the work for him. <laughs> we make it real easy for him, which is the problem. Um, now we see in verse 7, we get a lot of information about our flesh here. The fleshly mindset, it says, actually fights God's plan or it is hostile. And that word hostile, it's, there's a lot to it. It means belonging or appropriate to an enemy, showing the disposition of an enemy, showing ill will and malevolence or a desire to thwart and injure. So our fleshly mindsets, when we are yielded to the flesh, we are an enemy of God. We are being, acting in a way that is like an enemy of God. That fleshly carnal mindset literally wants to injure God's plans. It wants to injure what God is trying to do on this earth. And so when we're yielding to it, we're cooperating with the flesh. That's what, that's what we're doing. We're fighting against God. We're, we're injuring what he is trying to do, which, you know, if, if we can just get that revelation in us, it'll make us run from anything carnal, you know, because why would we want to cooperate with something that is an enemy that is hostile to our God? The other thing it says is that it refuses to submit or to place itself under the authority of God and his assignments and his instructions. Our flesh is literally an all-out rebellion against God and his plans for our life. Flesh wants to rule and reign our lives. It does not want to bow to the true ruler, and it is literally unable to. It says it cannot. It cannot bow. It cannot submit, and it will not let you. When you are operating in that carnal, fleshly place, you can't submit to God. It puts you in a place of rebellion. You know, God so, so desperately wants, he provided a way for his children to walk in the spirit. And so I, I just think what a heartbreaking thing it is for him to watch us, you know, continue on in the flesh and continue on in, in things that are carnal when he has given us every opportunity to walk in his spirit, when he has empowered us, he has provided it for us. And I guess that's the whole thing about the Christian walk is just that it's all a choice. You know, everything we do from the beginning to the end is all a choice. Um, in verse 8, we see that, that being controlled by the flesh makes it impossible to please God. So just as it's impossible to please God without faith, it's impossible to please him while we're walking 
and carnality in the flesh. Uh, because there's no, the flesh is not in the spirit realm. Faith is in the spirit realm. They, they cannot go together. You cannot be in, in the carnal realm and be, in opera, and be operating in faith. It's impossible. And you can't be in a place where you're pleasing God then. I like that the passion says no matter how hard they try. See, we can try to please God while we're motivated, motivated by the flesh. We can read our Bible. We can go to church. We can say prayers. But if we are doing it out of our own strength and our motive is to look good or to give off a certain persona, then it's not pleasing to God. It's not of the Spirit. Like these are just things that that we can see the difference. We can see there's a division there between spirit and soul, spirit and flesh. And, And we need to be able to identify these things because we can apply them when we identify them. What we identify, what we understand and grab a hold of and see in our lives, we can do something about. But that's, that's the place we have to start at, is identifying things. So how do we get ourselves? How do we get ourselves into this place where we can walk continually in the spirit realm and we can overcome our flesh? So like I said, we have to have an awareness, but there's an awareness of the fact that the flesh has a voice. Okay, the flesh speaks. Our flesh speaks, it speaks through senses, and it speaks to our soul. It's our mind, our will, our emotions. And it is very loud, and it is very assertive. So we are gonna talk about some of the characteristics of the flesh that are gonna help us identify its voice. So that when we hear these voices speaking in our life, immediately we know, that's the flesh. I'm not, I'm not cooperating with that. I'm not having anything to do with it. Okay, so the flesh is only interested in serving self. The flesh doesn't care anything about what's good for someone else because what is good for someone else requires us to put ourselves aside and make a sacrifice to serve someone else. The flesh fights this and pushes to get its way. Remember things like, okay, now this is going to be a tough example (laughs) because this is something that people do not like to um, think is carnal, I guess. But, you know, let's say that you are in church and you have a friend or you have somebody um, that is supposed to be a follower of Christ with you. And this person is in perpetual sin. It's a, there's sin in their life that is ongoing, that is a lifestyle. And, you know, your flesh will always try to convince you that, you know, you just tell them they're, they're doing great. You just make them feel good. You know, and you don't bring the truth to them. Now, we bring the truth in love, but we have to bring the truth because the truth is from the spirit, okay? So we're not really walking in love if our motive is to get somebody to like us and to stay out of confrontation. That's not actually love. That's carnal, you know, and and when we are walking in the spirit, it's not always easy, but, but truth and love flow out of the spirit together. And they go hand in hand. They're not separate. So, you know, the, the flesh does not want you to have, a, to have a desire to help people change, to help people get closer to God, to help people get on the right path. The flesh wants you to feel good about making other people like you. That's, that's what the flesh wants. Those are the voices of the flesh. Um, and it really, it's selfish. It is loving yourself to act that way. Um, it'll always try to convince you you don't have the time or resources for someone else. 
It'll always push for me time and tell you you deserve every self-indulgence on the face of the earth. <laughs> um, and that, you know, it's not that you can't take care of yourself. It's not that you can't enjoy things in life, but not at the expense of, of doing what God's asked you to do. Like so many times our lives are so full of me, 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 you know, I want this, I need this, I've got to go, you know, pamper myself in every way possible, and we, we don't have any time to give over to God. We don't have any time to serve people in our life, and, and that's the voice of the flesh. It is dominating you. <laughs> if it's not giving you time to serve others, it's dominating you. Um, the flesh also craves its own comfort. It's very driven by how things feel. So it manipulates our soul to make decisions that will accommodate it. The flesh wants to be accommodated. It wants you to serve it. It wants you to move your life, shuffle your life around in order to make it feel comfortable. Um, it will always justify compromise in order to make itself feel good. Okay? So any kind of compromise in our life. Um, we can think about the example of... You know, you've been working really hard at work, maybe even in ministry. You have been serving people and working hard. And you come home and you're just so tired and you're just so tense and, and worn out. And you think, you know, I think I deserve a drink. I'm just going to have one. Yeah, just one. And then as the days go by, as the weeks go by, all of a sudden you're having three drinks every night because the flesh is telling you the flesh is craving it. The flesh has an appetite that is insatiable and it pulls you into these habits, these daily little things that seem small, but they pull you into the point where they override any conviction. And all of a sudden you can't hear. You can't hear that voice of your spirit that's convicting you and saying, it's too much. You're under the influence of this. You're being controlled by this, stop. And you can't hear it anymore. That's the voice of the flesh. That's what the flesh will come in and do. It can tempt you into giving in to sexual feelings and convince you that it's no big deal. Um, another area we can look at it is because it is so feelings-based, our flesh will tell us, oh, you feel sick, don't you? You feel that symptom in your body. You feel it, don't you? You know, when all of a sudden your words start coming out, oh, I think I'm sick. And then you start accommodating it. You start accommodating sickness. Oh, I'll just make room for sickness in my life today because I feel sick. You know, that's exactly what the flesh is telling you. Trust me, I know I, I am a complete wimp <laughs> when it comes <laughs> in the flesh to sickness. I have been driven by my feelings about sickness for years. It took me years to get a hold of the fact that I did not have to put up with it. We cannot be passive to the flesh. We're gonna find out a bit about that later. The flesh is rebellious and it doesn't like any authority but its own. When you constantly hear a voice in your life inside of you saying, you're not telling me what to do, you're not telling me what to do, you're in the flesh. You are in carnality. That, that is a big red flag in your life. 
Because sometimes it's Holy Spirit trying to tell you what to do. Sometimes it might be a boss, a husband, a spiritual leader, someone in authority in your life, and you cannot stand that voice telling you what to do. And something in you rises up and says, how dare you? That is the flesh. That is the voice of the flesh speaking to you and trying to get you out of submission, trying to get you out of being a follower. You know, we are called as Christians to be followers, followers of Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We should follow spiritual leadership in our life as they follow Christ, not as they don't follow him, only as they follow him. But we need to be good followers. We can't jump into leadership if we're not a good follower. But the flesh hates submission, and it will entice you into thinking that uh, you know better than every leader in your life. So how dare they try to tell you what to do? Okay? The flesh is prideful and full of vanity. It pushes us to look at outward things and care about how things look. It's happy for you to have that outward appearance of religion, You know, you can wear the right clothes, you can go to the church, you can do all these outward things, so long as it doesn't require any actual change in you, so long as it doesn't require anything that challenges. It will lead you into an obsession with your physical appearance, and yet you'll never, it will never allow you to be satisfied. You know, isn't that something about the more we focus on the outward, the more we focus on how we look, the less satisfied we seem to get. (laughs) that's the flesh. The flesh has got you in a trap if it has got you obsessed on a constant daily basis about worrying about how you look on the outside. And I have been there too. You know, I have been in a place in the flesh where I thought way too much about appearance and I was never satisfied and I look back and think, why would I not have been satisfied? I was skinny. (laughs) but it doesn't let you so the flesh you know it it encourages you to pursue perfection of appearance status power um, wealth affluence all of these things to stroke your ego It, it wants to rise up pride on the inside of you so you think I'm pretty great I'm wealthy I'm pretty great I've got a position You know, that's what the flesh is speaking to you to get you into. It flatters you. And guess what? It teaches you and trains you to use flattery on other people, which is a form of manipulation. It's not sincere. So we are going to have to retrain ourselves to ignore and starve the appetites of the flesh and to learn how to strengthen areas that grow us up spiritually. And I want us to turn to another scripture now here in Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to start in verse 16. Okay, I'm going to go through 21, and this is in the Passion Translation again. So it says, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. That is the word for flesh, of your flesh. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh 
and the new creation life of the Spirit. And I'm going to stop there for a second because, you know, there's an old, I don't know, like proverb kind of thing that uh, pastors always like to tell about this um, Indian chief. And, you know, he was teaching the young Indian warriors uh, that there's two things that battle inside of you. There's a, a good side and a bad side, and they, they're warring within you. And the young lad said to the chief, well, how, which one wins? And he said, the one you feed. Okay, and that is very true in the way we live our spiritual life. The things that we feed, if we feed these appetites of the flesh, they will grow. They will dominate. They will take over. If we feed the appetites of the spirit, what the spirit craves and desires, it will dominate the flesh. You know, that we have to have that principle ingrained in us so that we can recognize. Now, here we're going to go through some of these um, cravings or these appetites of the flesh. Um, that's in verse 19. It says, the cravings of the self-life are obvious. They should be obvious. Um, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, that's idolatry, manipulating others, that's witchcraft, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all of the similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? So these are the list, not a exhaustive list, but a list of things that are appetites of the flesh. This is what the flesh craves. It gives us a lot of examples of it. And, you know, I actually did, when I read things out of the Passion, I go back to the lexicon. I look things up in the original Greek, and I make sure that it lines up. And I actually think in this list, the Passion gives us a more modern, familiar vernacular that makes more sense to, to what we know, you know. And it brings it to a level that kind of says, ouch, there might be a few things in my life that look a little carnal. So... I like the, the way that it says it, but um, as verse 17 explains, the, the contradicting um, spirit and, uh, okay, the spirit competes for dominance in us. It, it contrasts. Uh, as the letter continues, it also describes what walking by the spirit produces, which is the very famous verses about the fruit of the spirit. Uh, the last fruit of the spirit is what? Come on, Bible scholars. Self-control, yeah. So for believers, self-control is literally spirit control. Um, it can only be accomplished by the power of the Lord. It is true mastery from within is the definition. But for the believer, that's power of the Holy Spirit enabling you to dominate the flesh, okay? So it's interesting as we yield more to the spirit, as we develop this fruit in our life from the spirit, it just gives us more power to dominate the flesh. It is a constant harvest in our lives that will enable us to dominate the flesh, which is a beautiful thing. You know, God provides. He, he does not say, oh, you keep trying to walk in the fruit of the spirit, keep trying to have, you know, this stuff, keep trying to overcome the flesh. No, he gives us 
self-control. He gives us the tool to do it. So he's not withholding from us. You know, that's what I love is he's such a good provider. Um, I also want to look really quick at uh, where Paul describes the process of showing his flesh who is boss. And I love these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is verses 25 and t- through 27. It says, A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. But we run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. For that reason, I don't just run for exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches, but I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and get it under my control so that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified, which is sobering to think about that Paul would say that. That it just shows us that everybody has the ability to go from the spirit back into the flesh. We all have that ability in us, it's up to us to do something about it. And this description of how Paul explains to us, this is how you do something about it, is wonderful because there's a lot of imagery in it. Okay, so the, he likens this process to the training of an athlete where there is effort, there is self-control, there is discipline, and it's the same in the way that we train in the spirit. He describes our spiritual training as purposeful, not aimless or pointless, and he says that he disciplines his body or his flesh, which is a very weak word, because that word really means to strike under the eye or give a black eye. Um, Hence, I bruise, I treat severely, I discipline by hardship, I annoy, harass, worry, and exhaust my flesh. That is how we're meant to treat our flesh. He also makes it his slave. It says uh, it means to lead as a captive, bring into full subjection, fully compliant to the will of the master. He makes it a slave. He does not allow it to argue with him. He does not allow it to, to get away from him. He makes it a slave. The flesh has no choice. So this is, this is what Paul is encouraging us to do. Um, You know, these verses are often taken to the extreme by people who want to go beat up their physical bodies because you know how we learned earlier that when it says the flesh, it's not just talking about our skin and bones here. It's talking about our carnal self, the carnal part of us, our mind, our will, our emotions that can all be in the carnal realm. But that's where people get off and they do things like, you know, beating themselves and torturing themselves and thinking that something's spiritual and it's not. That's not what we're being told to do here, so I just want to uh, clarify that. But um, these are powerful images of the attitude that we need to have towards our flesh and how we should proceed to treat it. So to tell the voice of our physical body that it isn't in control, this is why we do things like fasting. Okay, When we fast, this is an example of something we are starving the appetite of our physical body. We can starve the appetites of our soul as well. There's lots of things we can give up or or put away in order to show our flesh who's in control. Because our flesh, what did I say? It loves to reign, it loves to dominate, it loves to rule in our life. So, you know, we can't get confused in thinking that like fasting is some sort of religious, 
duty or process or it makes our prayers more heard or something. No, it is to get our flesh under control. It is to get our soul under control, to show it who is boss and to dominate it, okay? To not let it have the loudest voice. This allows the voice of our spirit to be heard as those other voices get quieter and quieter as they're ignored. You know, as you ignore the voice of your flesh, it gets weaker, it gets quieter. It cannot withstand the more we ignore it. We start then hearing that voice of our spirit rise up and it starts overtaking the voice of our flesh. It gets to where we can hear the voice of our spirit stronger than the voice of our flesh. But we're gonna have to be aware of the voices that our flesh has. You know, Jesus was praying in the garden before he was arrested and his disciples were meant to, to pray with him. <laughs> And, and they just couldn't handle it. It says their flesh was weak, okay? The flesh is really strong when it's doing the things it wants to do. But when you are doing spiritual things, when you are trying to allow your spirit to dominate, your flesh gets really weak and it tries to pull you into, you know, to sleeping or to being lazy, to, to not being able to accomplish. It tries to hinder your spiritual activity. Okay, so that's where we have to recognize, that's the flesh, get over it. You know, yes, I feel tired, it's just the way I feel. God's asked me to do it, I'm gonna do it. Can you imagine the things that the disciples might have missed out on? Like, had they stayed awake in the garden with Jesus, what would heaven have poured out to them? What would heaven have revealed to them, you know, if they had just stayed awake, if they had overcome their flesh? So training in the spiritual sense is the way to strengthen our spiritual awareness or awaken our spiritual authority. Just as training physically produces strength, agility, endurance, etc., there are things we can do to enhance our physical, I mean our spiritual fitness. These are the obvious things, but they're the things that everybody overlooks. Nobody really wants to dig into. So nourishing ourselves with the word of God will feed our spirit and starve our flesh. Um, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. Oh, I didn't mark this one, so give me just a moment. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing that we do remains a secret, nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render an account. So the word will show us the difference between what is carnal and what is spiritual. It puts a dividing there between the soul and the spirit. If you are wondering if something's in the spirit realm or if something's in the soulish realm, the Word of God has the answer for you. It will bring a division there. It divides the soul from the spirit, so we are aware of what part of us we are cooperating with. It also interprets and reveals those underlying motives to get to the heart of the matter. It's our number one tool for walking in the spirit. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We've got to devour it. We've got to get it in us. Get it in us. So praying at all times, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Ephesians 6.18, I'm not going to read those, but they're about communing with God consistently, constantly, 
in understanding and in the spirit. So there's a prayer of understanding. We pray in the spirit. We pray in both ways at all times. Uh, we have to get the revelation of his constant presence with us. Why would we ever ignore him if we were truly aware that he's here all the time? Why would we ignore him? He's here right now. You know, he's here the second you walk out that door. He's here the second you go into the bathroom in your house. He's here the second you go into work tomorrow morning. He's, he's with you. Are you ignoring him or are you communing with him? We are made to commune with him at all times, whether it's praying in the spirit, whether it's just being aware of him, you know, just having that constant awareness. It's what we're made for. And when we pray in the spirit, it stirs us up in the spirit realm so that we're more sensitive to his voice. And, it, you know, it'll make us where we understand that's, that's the voice of the spirit. That's not the voice of the flesh. I know the voice of the spirit. So, so the third thing is just surround yourself with people who desire to walk in the spirit as well. Learn from those who are further along than you, who desire uh, to sharpen and be sharpened by our peers, sow into those and encourage those who are less mature. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We are called as brothers and sisters in Christ to constantly be sharpening each other, to constantly be talking about the things of God with each other, bringing up scriptures with each other. You know, this is spiritual life together. This is what the early church did. This should be exciting to us. You know, this is what our, our social life should look like. And then Hebrews 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of sin, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we do see it drawing near. So by treating our flesh as the enemy, I just want to end with this. We refuse to allow it to dominate us. We're going to starve it and we're going to beat it into submission. We cannot be gentle or kind with flesh. We can't feel guilty for treating it harshly. Remember back up to Romans 8, the, the flesh produces death and it never pleases God. The flesh knows that it's the enemy of God and it's the enemy of anyone who wants to follow God and it acts accordingly. It lies, it cheats, it manipulates, it's forceful, it battles for us. It's up to us to recognize that it's evil and to put it in its place. We won't be free from it until we go home to heaven <laughs> or until Jesus comes back for us one or the other. But the thing is, is the more we train ourselves to yield to the spirit, to recognize those voices of the flesh and to you know, refuse to cooperate with them, it's just going to get easier and easier. It's just like when we grow up, things become more naturally as we're trained in them. God wants us to be trained how to uh, recognize the flesh, how to recognize the spirit, how to walk in the spirit. It's a training process. It is not quick and easy. It's not the McDonald's get in, get your stuff and go. You know, it's an ongoing lifelong process, um, but it's, it's just how we train up children. You know, training up children, people get stuck on the fact that it's just like telling them that there's a God or something, and that's you've trained your children. You know, training your children is a daily, it's the daily life, the daily little things that we do to show them how real God is, how aware we are, and that's how we train them up to know him, to love him, to be a part of his family.
and, and the reality of his power comes through. And it's the same, we're being trained. You know, we are being trained to know how to walk in the spirit. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to walk in his spirit day by day in every little thing. And he is training us. He is training us, but we have to yield to it. We have to allow ourselves to be trained and it will produce something good. Will it be easy? No. When we have to go, you know, run four miles to learn how to run a half marathon or something, you know, that you have to go run a little further and a little further and a little further and it hurts. Your lungs hurt, your muscles hurt. It hurts to train sometimes, but it is so good for you. You know, it is good to get the results you want. It is good. So it's the same when we are training spiritually. We cannot grow weary in well-doing. We cannot faint in the midst of the training and give up and turn around and just go be carnal. It's not okay. You know, and that's something I just feel a, an urgency and a grip in our lives as the church, we, ha- we cannot be okay with carnality. It is deadly. It is deadly. We have to take it seriously. We have to, when we see it in ourselves, we have to be willing to do something about it. When we see it in people around us, we have to encourage them and help them to get out of it. You know, but it, it's just something I, I believe the Lord is wanting us as the body of Christ to really be built up and strengthened in. We're, we've got to be getting stronger, guys. Jesus is coming soon, and we cannot be a weak, wimpy church. We have to be his bride. He's preparing us. We are his bride. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be lacking. I don't want to disappoint. You know, and I don't think any of us want that. We want to look into his eyes and to know we have done everything in our lives to please him. We have done everything in our power and our strength to walk in his ways, to take a hold of the things he's equipped us with and empowered us with. We haven't taken it for granted. So let's just close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Thank you that your word went forth tonight, Lord, and it accomplished everything you had for it to accomplish, Lord, that, that you were training us up truly. You were training us to be your children. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we are your children, that you train us up, that we allow you, we allow you, Daddy God, to train us, to show us. No, that's carnal. Stay away from that. That voice isn't right. Don't listen to it that we are yielded and submitted. We're not rebellious, Lord. Thank you that, that we have hearts that are submitted to you, that are tender and soft towards you, that we know no one else truly has our best interest at heart, but you do, Lord. We can trust that. You have our best interest at heart, and you want to train us up into being spiritually led people, seeing everything in the spirit realm, not being deceived, not being stuck in this mucky place of carnality. Oh, but walking in those realms of the Spirit, up in the air like the eagle, Lord, and the glorious realm you created us for. So we thank you and praise you, Lord, that these are going to become realities to us. These revelations that you're imparting to us tonight, Lord, they're going to change us. We receive the change that you want to... Deal with us in tonight, Lord. We, we thank you and we praise you. We love you, Lord. We go out of here as your ambassadors. Peace and love towards one another, Lord. We, we just 
love being part of your family, love how you love on us. So we thank you, Lord, that, that we walk out of here in safety and protection and that we're your children. And we're going to go sleep in peace tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.